what the heck is going on? It's Bailey. We're gonna talk about recovery. Hey guys, my name is Bailey and you are listening to Recovering Together. I'm an addict and an alcoholic and I've been in recovery for about 18 months and I want to talk about it. I want to make my biggest downfall one of my greatest achievements and talk about life as a sober person. I will also talk to so many other people in recovery and see how they do life and work their program. I am so excited that you're here. Let's get started. All right. Hey guys, this is Bailey Munson and you are listening to Recovering Together. Today, I have an amazing guest on. Her name is Sarah, but first, I just wanted to do a couple housekeeping details. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that when I first started this podcast, I was determined to make it only fun and only beneficial for others and for myself. So therefore, if I have like work, school, or obviously my family, I was going to prioritize those things first and then the podcast would come last. So that is the only reason that uh, if you ever miss an episode or weeks get skipped or whatever, that's kind of what's going on. I just got busy and I just didn't want to overwork myself because right now this is just for fun. Hopefully in a year or so, maybe I'll be making some money, but for now... We're just in it for the for the love of life, right? Um, so anyways, that's all I have in that situation. But we have Sarah with us today. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Bailey. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to see you again. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so yeah, Sarah and I have recorded before, but we just wanted to revamp it, kind of see where things have changed, see where she's at right now. And um, so I'll kind of let you introduce yourself a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I am Sarah. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> hey, Bailey. <laughs> um, I'm an addict alcoholic. What's up? Me hey. too. <laughs> I have 14 months tomorrow. Nice. After, Congratulations. Yeah, Post relapse. Nice. So it's kind of been a roller coaster. That is so crazy. When is the last time we talked? October. Yeah. Maybe? I feel like it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. This yeah. is crazy. So, yeah. Okay. So, 14 months sober tomorrow. Yep. And so, you post-relapse. So, yep. do you want to talk about Do you want to talk about the very beginning of your sobriety at all? Or where do yeah, you want to start? That's good. Um, let's see here. So, February 5th, 2021, I checked in to rehab. Nice. Yep. Uh, went into sober living after 30 days at rehab. Okay. Um, had a decent run of sobriety until I broke the no relationships rule. (laughs) Every time we do. And there was, there was myself and the guy I was with and then my best friend and the guy she was with and we all fell off together. Okay. It's like a group thing. Yeah. 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 I get that. Yep. And, um, but yeah, it's been, it was, I tell you that going back, I'm like so amazingly blessed to have Tallgrass family, yes. like, but it was so hard to go back and, you know, admit that I had relapsed and right. And it I was think- like, I had so many people say, what, you know, never, we never would have thought, we never would have thought. Cause like if whatever I do, whether it's sobriety or addiction, <laughs> I throw myself a hundred percent in. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Go big or go home. Yeah, That's what I always say. Yes. Yeah. 
I don't half-ass much. No. Well, and I think it's so interesting. I like that you said that just because I feel like so many people are afraid, you know, like if they've been sober and they had a relapse, they're so afraid to come back because it's like, you know, the shame and, you know, they just, they feel like they won't be taken back, but that's just not the case. I feel like you'll always be taken back, but it's hard to, to get past that first hurdle. So I do just want to like make a point to say that, that like if anybody's out there and concerned or worried or whatever, that, you know, it's not going to be the same, like you can get sober again and you can come right back and, there's a Macklemore song. I love Macklemore. Right. And he's got a line in a song that says, if I can be an example of getting sober, I can be an example of starting over. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's true. Because it's, how many times do we fail at all sorts of things? Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, well, it's, you just start over again. Yeah. You know? And so I, it's just, it's not as easy, obviously, right. in this in this way, but it is the same concept. Right. You know what I mean? And I did, like, when I came back, it was, I had to really face some pretty difficult things about my, my attitudes and, and myself. And like, cause I, even like when I re-sobered, re <laughs> yeah, re, re-sobered up, when I re-sobered up, <laughs> different re-up, uh, yeah, different kind of re-up, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> But when I came back, like, I still had this, okay, I'm going to back up a lot. Sure. So, like, so I was raised in a hyper-religious family, super conservative, and I've come to realize, like, when I was in treatment, I came to realize that that was part of what drove me to use and what drove me to drink is because, you know, I I never was going to live up. I was never, I was always, always falling short. Right. Somewhere. Right. And a lot of that was, you know, the environment, but a lot of that was internal. I don't know where it comes from, but there's, I still feel like that. Never, you know, there's a lot I'm never going to live up to. Yeah. But Me too, you know. Yeah. And like trying to kill the pain of like being a single mother in a hyper-religious environment, you know, killing the dream of the perfect family. Yes. Um, and just struggling with depression and never being able to pray it away. It never mm-hmm. worked for me. Uh, some of those things, you know, I was the oldest daughter, you know, but I wasn't the oldest child per se, because I have a brother who's younger and the male takes precedence a lot of times. Yeah. And the, you know, almost, I don't want to say dehumanizing of women because I know that I was loved. Do you think this all kind of stems from the religion that was taught in your household? Yes. Basically? Okay. Yep. So I assume it was really challenging, and this is what we talked about last time, it was really challenging for you to step into this program that was a spiritual-based program, yes. right? Yes. And so, I don't know, do you want to walk me through kind of where you were the last time we talked and kind of where you're at now? Yeah, like, when we talked last time, I was still in the mindset, because when I came back, it was like, okay, I need the people, because mm-hmm. I can't do this on my own. Right. And, you know, I knew that I couldn't do it by myself. I knew I couldn't hold myself accountable like I needed to. I knew I, I couldn't, the, the social part of life, I wasn't building for myself very well, you know, and I, but, so I, I had it in my head, I need the people, not the program. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> I've come to realize it was like 
I had a very difficult experience. Um, we just talked about before we started recording about losing somebody who was extremely close to me, um, but was also part of my using. And But we had maintained contact and stuff, and he ended up, he was murdered in October. It was almost like a kick in my ass, like, because he was murdered over drug deal. Mm-hmm. And he had he had tried to get clean and was able to do, like, a week or two at a time. Right. Uh, I think six weeks was the longest he had ever gone. And it was like I could get sucked back in so easily because he invited me to go that weekend and hang out with him. And I said no. Really? And so the guilt of, you know, what if I would have gone and I could have kept him. And then my sponsor was like, you probably would have ended up the same. I was just going to say, what if you were there and the same thing happened to you? Yeah. You know. And so it was like that of how quickly I could get pulled back. Right. You know, even not, maybe not even into using, but just in that environment. Of just being there and, you and just trying mean, to save people that you can't save that don't want to be saved. Right. Um, it just it makes me think about. I I said this in a meeting the other day where it's like since I've been sober, yeah, I have not been in a horrible situation that I should have never been in that I should have exactly you know that I should have like I got into trouble yep. I had I was around the wrong people at the wrong time like that just hasn't happened to me beca- yeah. because I'm just not it, right. I don't put myself in those situations cuz I'm sober you know right. and so it's kind of like yeah yeah I totally get that yeah. okay and it was like I know it, it it it's been really weird because it's like I didn't have a huge long stint of be- meth was how this guy and I hung out Right. And I didn't have a huge long stint with meth. Other things, yeah. Right. I've been like a pill head for like 12 years. And Feel that. <laughs> I drank because I hoped the pills work better. And, <laughs> and then I smoked because I helped everything work a little yeah. bit better. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But we all started with that. But, yeah. I mean, let's get honest. Come on. We, for real. Like, let's go. Yeah. But like, that was like my last connection to that world. And it was almost the same morning process as the first few days in, in treatment realizing that I can never go back. Yeah. You know, That's difficult. and even though I never wanted to go back, it was like, now I know I absolutely cannot because that was my connection. Right. It's fucked up. I totally get that though. I like that 100% makes sense to me. You're yeah. just like, it's almost like this was it. This was it for you. And it's, it's not like, it was like, there was like the final straw, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, yeah. if you will. Yeah. 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 That and like the last relationship that I was in that when we relapsed together, that was horrible. See, that scares me. And watching that, watching him, I'm the kind of person that like, I never, I can't ever like stop caring about somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't love them like that. But, you know, like a human, of course. Well, it's like, yeah, you're like empathetic. Yeah. 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 And it, but and it's like watching somebody that you care about like just completely destroy themselves. Yeah. And I don't know where I was going with that, but no, I get. But it's that. like two people that like I tried to love enough and never could. And I don't know. That just kind of I always try to sit here and think about 
the other side. Because yeah. I feel like until I actually got clean and sober, I never actually had to deal with the addict alcoholic head on. Right. You know, the people were always just dealing with me yeah. type of thing, you know? And yeah. so it's like, it's hard to be on the other side of things. Yeah. It's hard to just let people do what you did for so long. And you know, because I know how I was, I wasn't going to listen to anybody. Right. You know? And so it's hard to accept, like, doesn't matter how much I love this person. Doesn't matter how much I could do for this person. Like, this, the disease runs its course. Right. Kind of like, I was going to try and tie that back into some of the spiritual stuff. Because it's like, yeah, I was raised with, you know, yes, everybody has free will. But if you pray enough, if you have enough faith, you know, if you do enough penance, you know, everything will be okay. It's not. Like God will save like you. That type of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but it's, it's not. And, you know, I, because of the religious stuff that I have been through, I'll, I will freely use the words religious trauma. Right. Um, but because of the religious trauma that I have been through, it was very difficult for me to sit in the program and to sit in the rooms and to listen you know, because there was one particular group that was like, it was, and I had this said to me in a meeting, almost verbatim, it's the God of your understanding until you come to understand the real God. And that was like, that day I walked away from AA. I walked right. away from the program. Right. And that was like three days later that we re- I started my relapse. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that had it was that close. Oh yeah. See that so I was makes... like fuck this. Like right. this is where I was looking for hope. And if this is what the hope that you've got for me, nah. Well it's almost like this. But group... I also thought I can control it better because I knew a little more. Right. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> We all get real educated in treatment. <laughs> well right. You're just saying, I got this. To be a better addict. But it, <laughs> it's almost like that's that was my big thing too, like when I first started, whatever. That's the point. Point is, is that there was about three things that like coincided with each other and this group basically saying those things to you about the Christian God, let's say, yeah. basically was one of the things that just pushed you over the edge. For sure. You know? And so it's like, I also want to just say there are groups that are not like that. Oh, absolutely. We've, you know, you've come to find out, which you'll talk about, but it's yeah. like, that is not how every AA group is. And also, that's not how any 12-step program should be, if we're being right. honest, you yes. know, if we're being serious about it. So, yes. just want to make those things I know that clear. Bill would turn over in his grave if he would have heard that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> He's disgusted. I can see it right now. But, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. But like at the same time, it was like the guy that I was with was very anti-AA, mm-hmm. anti any 12 step anything because he's, you know, supremely intellectual mm. and thinks that anything spiritual is just bullshit. Right. It's just like, and beyond. so I was, you know, on top of what was said to me at that meeting and going back and talking to him about it and getting talked out of the 12 steps. Yes. basically. Yeah. You know, that was just like, I was just like, you know what? It, like, yeah, it was just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And the and funny, then, another funny thing is, is that like the guys fell off together. Yeah. And then me and my friend, like we were, <laughs> we, we were trying so hard taking them to detox every other day and all this stuff. Like we couldn't cope with that. Like we were trying to be heroes. Yes. Yeah, saviors. Yeah. yeah. 
and trying to give them what we didn't have even, you know, Mm -hmm. because we were, we were all like super fresh out of treatment. Right. That just, we we all got out of treatment within like, what was it? Six weeks of each other. Right. Maybe a month of each other. It's like everybody's trying to save each other. It's so hard. Yeah. We were trying to save them. I don't think they, from their attitudes and actions, they didn't have any. Probably didn't give a shit. They were like fulfilling the legal stuff and trying to stay out of psych ward and stuff like that. But, oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But we so, thought we knew. Right. We well, and it's like, and then that's, it's kind of funny because it's like, okay, well, that's where the spirit, in my mind, that's where like the spiritual program comes in when you're struggling with a situation like that. Oh, yeah. That's when you would be like, well, first I would go to a meeting, you know, which is like where a lot of my beliefs come in just because. They, like they say, God, a group of drunks. That's like my first oh, yeah. go-to, you know? So it's like the meeting as a whole is bigger than you are. So oh, that for sure. is hands And then you've got people saying, well, if you go to a meeting, I'm just going to drink while you're there. What? You know, like, yeah, oh, that's what he said oh, to me. Like, yeah, you can dude. go, but you come home, I'll be drunk. Dude. And see, that's just like psycho behavior. That's another PSA. That's not healthy. Can oh, we just say that? that? Like, oh, I, well, but I've I had to get to the point, like, since the whole thing in October, like, not only am I powerless over my addiction, there's no way in hell I can be powerful. I mean, like, over somebody else's. There's, I'm powerless over the whole world of addiction. Right. I'm powerless over the whole world of alcoholism. Just like the whole world in general, but especially well, like yeah. that. Yeah. No, yeah. but I get what you're saying. Like if I can't it's... save myself, what makes me think I can try and save somebody else? hundred percent. Well, it's just like my sponsor has told me, stay in your own lane. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> you have a very wise sponsor. <laughs> yes. She's, she's, she's a good awesome. One. But yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Well, and like, that's something I actually say whenever I go in, this is, and it's kind of sucks you can see their faces dropping but i'm like you get out of treatment yep don't don't go trying to save other people right you know i was like you'll be around other people who fall off mm-hmm. you say i'll meet you at a meeting you that's it yes. you know and i'll say like i don't know if it's the flip side or just a different version of the same thing but right not only don't try to be the hero but also don't put people on a pedestal yeah. Because I've had one particular person that was like everybody put on a pedestal when they fell off. It was devastating. And like, I remember telling a mutual friend of ours that if this person falls, I'll know that I have no hope. Yeah. And that was hard. And it well, was around the same time of all of that happening. Yeah, and it's really hard because it's like that then in the same way sense you're kind of making them your god. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's But it it's also tricky. helps me to see like we are all on the same it's a level field. Same like it's we're all in the same boat. Addiction um is a tricky thing. We're humans. Yeah. We're humans and damn it. <laughs> yeah, and like I think I remember talking to you the other day where somebody like had fallen off and I was like, I just was like, there's again, there's no way how, like, how can this happen? And, and it's like, what I try to tell people, this is like another thing that probably like you shouldn't say, but it's important. It's like a very small percentage of people who are addicts and alcoholics get sober and even smaller percent stay sober. Right. And it's like, 
that's a very hard pill to swallow because every time I say that, I think about myself. Oh, yeah. I think about my future, yep. you know, and all I can keep doing is just working the program. And it, it feels like, I don't know, it feels bad on the inside, but it's the correct mindset of it happens. Right. Well, oh, well not, not, oh, well, like, I don't care anymore, but what are you going to do? Right. Like, should, like, cause that's, that's the thing too is, is you can't sit here being afraid of tomorrow. You know, that's right. why we always say one day at a time. And then, I don't know. I always think about this. My mom said this is probably like, uh, it's kind of probably fucked up if you really think about it, but like we would be at the doctor's and when I was little and I was going to have to get a shot or whatever. Yeah. And she'd always be like, Bailey, like, and I would always be crying right away. Right. And she's like, Bailey, like they haven't even come in yet. You haven't even seen the needle. Like you don't right. even know if it's going to hurt yet. Right. She's like, why are you crying? You know? And so like, that's kind of the way I think it's like, don't cry until it hurts. Like, don't, don't like, don't borrow trouble. Yeah, it's like, why Why are we sad about this? It hasn't even happened yet. So it's like, that's the thing. One right. day at a time, I do what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, you, you have to obviously prepare yourself. Yeah. But don't step over I that will, line. I will say that, okay, I remember having a very specific conversation with a woman when I was at rehab. And I was just sobbing because, like, everybody's saying rehab is a part of recovery. And I did not, or everybody was saying that relapse is a part of recovery. What? Like, I heard, like, four people on the same day say that. Well, okay. Because it's just a part of recovery. Relapse is just a part of recovery. And I was, like, devastated because, like, I do not want to relapse. Right. But I will say now, and I'm not saying that I want anybody to relapse. Right. But I have learned more about myself and my sobriety post-relapse than I did in treatment. Well, I It was think- a good foundation to start, and it was amazing to have that to go back to. But my mindset and everything has changed drastically since knowing that you know i can fail right well and i I, we all this group of us you know we fell off together but i didn't do a whole lot to try and stop anybody once we were into it we were into it and you know once we all went our separate ways kind of i still kept on right you know and then yeah do you want to like talk about that a little bit just because um, I just can't speak on relapse, mm-hmm. you know, um, at this point in time, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but like, okay. So when you started drinking and using again, like how long did that last? And then, like you said, it's basically like, I, I think I want to like hit home to the people who haven't relapsed, thinking about relapsing, whatever, thinking about going back out. Right. It's like, you know, in treatment, we're taught that we're addicts and alcoholics. It's our bodies. It's an obsession. It's yes. a mental obsession. And it's um, a disease, you know. Yeah. So it's like once you start, you can't stop. Right. Do you think that holds true? For me, yes. Okay. Because it started out with, you know, let's just smoke a little weed. Mm-hmm. You know. And that was a hard thing, like, because I was... <laughs> I was in sober living house. Right. When I started back and moved out shortly after that, but I broke a lot of rules when I was in sober living. Right. And when I went and had to talk to the manager of sober living, like that was probably the moment of the greatest grace I have ever received in my life. Really? Because I told him, I was like, dude, I fucked up. And he's like, yeah, so we all do. Like, <laughs> no judgment. Yeah. Nothing. That's awesome. 
nothing but love and grace. And it's like, you know, yeah, I need these people. But at that point, I still was like, I can do it with the people, but not the program. Right. And it wasn't, I mean, I, I, I can't necessarily pinpoint a certain time or I, I tried to use some like natural supplements to manage depression and energy type stuff. And I was, I was beginning to feel like it was becoming a problem again. Right. Even though it was natural supplements, you know, over-the-counter stuff. But I've always had problems with over-the-counter. Benadryl is one of my things. And I can't even keep Benadryl in my house. Like, yeah. I have to make that conscious decision. But even with the supplements, it was right. like, I can tell that I'm becoming at least mentally dependent on them. Like, yeah. when is my next dose? You know, do right. I need to increase? And I was even being monitored by my therapist. Really? Yeah. It's and so, so it was like, because that's how our minds work. It's just so crazy because I can relate to you. And it's like, I have no everything. control. Right. I start out thinking I have control. I start out thinking, okay, even with, you know, my therapist, that's accountability. She's counting my supplement pills every week, you know. And I, I honestly, I wasn't like fudging the counts or anything. It was just the mental obsession. Yeah. And recognizing the mental obsession. Um, I was like, damn, I am absolutely powerless over this. Wow. And it's like, you know, Dude. I can become addicted to anything. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's crazy, like, how the little things, like, seep in. And, you know, like you're saying, you can become addicted to anything. I think that is really, like, how our brains work. And it's like, we just, that's kind of, like, why I did the little PSA at the beginning for the podcast. Because it's like, I know... Yeah. You know, and it will just drive you crazy. Yeah. It will seriously just, it will, it will like, and it was like, I, like I said, I I can't pinpoint a day or a date or anything. But when I had the thought, I remember driving in my car thinking, I am obsessed with this. Mm -hmm. And the thing that popped into my head was the phrase mental obsession. And it's like, fuck, I do need the program. Yeah. And just like think about it all the time. Okay. So, okay. So then that kind of brings us into the good part of like, all right, you started, you started going back to meetings. Yeah. You started, I don't know. Like, do you want to just talk about like how you kind of got back in and you're like, okay, made you something that made you feel better. I don't know. Well, you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me at the meeting. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you, Bailey. I love you. Girl. I love you too. Thanks. But, but, it really was using the community as, as a base and as a foundation. And they, you know, you hear all the time, if you want what they have, you got to do what they do. Right. And it's very, very difficult for me. I am a very proud person Yeah, on the inside. You know, I try to mm. appear not as proud on the outside. Right, like humble or whatever. Yeah, but say. it's like, <laughs> you know, I... I don't have any of this on lock and it makes me feel completely out of control of myself. And the thing that helps me maintain control is the program. I can read the prayers. I can go to the meetings and hear other people who a have been where I am and are successful in their recovery. And also like I, I led a meeting and I repeated something that I had heard in a meeting when I was at treatment of I come here and do this so that I don't end up back in those chairs. Yeah. Because I want to be reminded of where I came from. I want to be, and that's one of the things that I, I pray is, you know, remind me, don't let me forget. 
Yeah. Because when I start forgetting, I start thinking I can handle it. Absolutely. You know, and I've got teenagers that are scaring the shit out of me right now. And it's like, I need to remember where I came from so I can help them not go there. Yes. And if they choose to go there, cause they're teenagers, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm not like not parenting them, but it's their choice. They're right. coming into adulthood and making decisions, you know, going behind people's backs and doing things. And right. it's like, if I, if they end up, they need to know that I'm safe, that I'm a safe person and that right. I can't be that safe person for them if I'm not sober. Right. And if I don't want them to go down that path because both of their parents are addicts and alcoholics and so they have that genetic propensity for that, which I do believe is a factor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Me too. You know, I have to show them a different way. You know, I have to be responsible for my own self. Mm-hmm. My kids were a big part of me even going to treatment. Same. Um, and they have to be a big part of my reason for staying sober. Yeah. And I have, I mean, obviously myself first, but because I want to be a good example to my kids, Absolutely. I resonate with all of that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Damn. But like part of the spiritual struggle of everything was for a long time, I was just, I couldn't wrap my head around the concept of a higher power. I couldn't separate the concept of higher power from the God that I was raised with. Right. And like, I don't want anything to do with that, Mm -hmm. you know, because that God was judgmental. That God was angry, that God punished me, that God, like, surrendering to that God meant taking your vows of chastity and poverty and moving to Africa to serve in a village. And I don't want to surrender to that God. Right. And so the word, you know, God and surrender and even prayer, like, talking to something outside of myself that... You know, it's like those things are all incredibly difficult for me to wrap my head around. And I was listening to Joe and Charlie. Um, I love Joe and Charlie. I still haven't listened. They're so good. They're so bad. You can get them on the app. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But they were talking about like, like literally writing down what you want your God to be. And I had heard, I had heard a couple in that had led a meeting and talked about a God buffet, like mm-hmm. everything that God possibly could be is lined out on a buffet before you walk through and pick what you need right now. Absolutely. And so I had to start with who my God wasn't. My God is not homophobic. My God is not angry. My God is not a punisher. My God is not, you know, any of the horrible, awful punishing things that I was raised to believe that they are. And it's still hard for me to use the word God. It's becoming easier. Yeah. Just because I, it's a generally culturally accepted phraseology and I don't have a better word for it. Right. Higher power's Higher too power. long because I'm lazy. And it's HP. HP. Do HP. And then some people called just don't Floyd. Know yeah. <laughs> no, I mean. But like, yeah. And so coming to understand that I don't have to understand. Yes, I think that's and that that was a hard thing for me to wrap my head around too is like I don't need to know. I don't need to know exactly what what my god is, but 
I will say, I agree with you. Obviously, I didn't come from such extreme circumstances, but I don't know. Like, I was forced to go to church. And, you know, normally I feel like that's a pretty normal thing for parents to do is like, okay, come to church. You know what I mean? But I think I just might have taken it a little harder than most. Maybe I just thought about it too much, but it's like... I just, you know, you hear all these things. It's like, okay, well, if you don't believe in God, like, you're going to be, like, damned to hell for all of eternity. And it's like, okay, well, and then the whole uh, communion thing. And then uh, what's the thing where you get, like, baptized? That that was super confusing to me. So it's like, okay, well, you know, if you're baptized, then it's you're in, like, the name of the Lord. And, like, then you will go to heaven. Okay, well, what if you haven't been baptized yet? Like, and then what about people who can't be baptized? Like, all of these things that I was like, this just doesn't make sense to me, you know, like, and this is not fair. Like if my God is like a loving God, like, you know, and then if somebody, okay, well, what mistakes exactly lead you to go to hell? It just like leads you in a life of, um, confusion and, and you're scared. It's, and it's extremely stressful. Very stressful. Cause it's like, okay, well, if I lie, am I going to hell if I haven't prayed about it before right. I die? Yeah. You know, so that was always my big thing when I was a kid. Like we had we yeah. had a youth pastor one time that was like, <laughs> if you you have to pray about everything, like you have to pray about the outfits that you wear in the morning because if you want to wear a blue shirt, but God has somebody who's going to cross your path whose favorite color is green, and they don't want to talk to somebody in a blue shirt. You might miss a ministry opportunity. And that person might go to hell because you probably were going to be the only Jesus that that person ever saw. Oh my God, dude. That's an incredible amount of pressure for anyone. Like it's especially that is sinful. That is sinful. And especially a child. Like I feel like I I was maybe 12 or 13. This is, it's just not fair. And so like, I am really, I feel grateful that I found this program you know, in my twenties when I'm, you know, I was extremely vulnerable, but then I came into this program where people were like, this is your God, you know, this is your higher power. And like, I feel like we went to a treatment program where it's like, they were so accepting of any God that like anything that was bigger than you. I have felt more accepted and understood and loved among alcoholics and addicts in recovery than in any church I ever sat in. Absolutely. Well, and it's like, it's, I mean, it's like hard for me to even go to church now. I can't. Right. Like my son was in a couple programs, you know, my, my mom likes to take him to, um, Sunday school, stuff like that, which, you know, that's fine. And so I, you know, I sat through like a church program with them or whatever. And it's, it's hard. It's like, it's hard and it's, but it's okay because I know that I can go to a meeting and I can be safe there and I can talk about it with no judgment. Right. You know, if you're at the right meeting. Yes. And and I think that we are extremely fortunate to live in a city that has clubhouses and where the meetings aren't all at churches. Mm-hmm. Because going to the churches, the meetings that were at churches, was that I couldn't digest what was being said because it was so triggering for me. Right. Because of my past. I never even thought about that. Yeah. yeah like it's a good sitting, point in a room where I have to stare at a cross. Yeah. Trying to absorb what they're telling me about, you know, getting sober. Right. It's hard to separate that. And so I'm very, very thankful that we have clubhouses here in town. Yeah. That is it so gives true. people like me and, you know, other non-religious people an opportunity to 
experience the program without having to go into a house of worship. Absolutely. Well, and another like thing I want to like hit home is the only requirement of AA is a desire to stop drinking. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people who aren't even involved in a 12 step program probably are like, don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. But it's like, the whole point is the 12 step program, you have a higher power and that's how you work through the steps. It's a spiritual program, you know? And it's like, the first, I I just remember walking into treatment. I see this thing. It looks like a Bible. And I was like, I'm fucked. Right. You know, just because I I just knew that talking about the Christian God was not going to work for well, me. Well, and I think that, you know, I understand the concept of a spiritual program. Right. I've never been like a hardcore atheist. Right. There is something bigger out there. Absolutely. You know? I agree. But. Yeah. Being raised with the idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even the word spiritual started out being triggering to me. Right. But I was at a point when I checked into treatment where it was either that or die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, You're like, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll do give. something different here. <laughs> so trying to, to come up with a definition, because it's important to understand what words mean, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people think spiritual and they think like monks or you know, worship leaders or people who follow the Bible strictly are mm. hyper spiritual, you know, but that's not really like we are spiritual beings. We have a body, we have a mind, we have a spirit. I was going to ask believe. you, do you know the definition of spiritual spirit? I don't know. I, for me, spiritual is just something that can't be explained physically or intellectually. Like just the gut you feeling. Just feel. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And that's okay. what it is. Because, like, in my addiction, I felt worthless. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't want to feel anymore. And so I did what it took to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to, you know, kill my spirit, I guess. That's a good way to look and at it. And there's a big part of me that I feel like did die. Right. Uh, but I feel like it's regrowing. Mm-hmm. I think that spirit can be regenerated. I think that we're all connected by spirit. Um, I've dabbled in a lot of different religions and spiritual concepts and thought processes and, you know, all the new age, woo woo, Mm -hmm. Wicca, witchcraft, all of it, Buddhism, everything. Crystals. I've got a couple crystals. I've got a whole altar at my house, but it's because they're tools to me to focus on my spirit. Like, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't feel like. Any, you know, they say religion is for people who don't want to go to hell and spirituality is for people who have already been there. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates with me. Yeah. Because it's like, I know I feel closer to my own spirit and to the greater spirit, like out in nature. I I love to hike. I love being in the woods. I love being by water. I'm a Pisces. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Three times over. Sun, moon, and rising. I am screwed. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So, but like, I mean, I love all of what you're saying right now. Yeah. I just have to tell you, it just like makes me feel good. And like, I don't know, like the part of, it's so funny just when people talk about their spirit and like hiking and nature and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like I love plants like inside my home, you know, like yeah. I, I truly am a cancer in that way where it's like, I like to be home. I feel at one with myself when I'm home right? and when I center myself, I don't know, with, with, you know, 
just I've been comfortable blankets like in my bed like I don't know how to explain Comfy, it cozy. yeah and so but it's like I I get all of what you're saying and then that's how I feel when I'm in a meeting with people who I know who yes. I'm comfortable with you know yes. it's just like and that is you know there is that group spirit the like, group we're spirit. all there for the same reason exactly and the spirits are lifted I like what our one of our leaders says in the meeting he always says like you know I truly feel like this is spiritual setting because it's like our spirits are lifted after this meeting which is like i totally agree so yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's just important for other people to know like they're not alone if they felt like this before other people have felt like this and that there is a way to um be a part of a program any program specifically i'm talking about the 12-step program um when believing in something that's not the christian god right you know and i don't know I want to read, like, Irony of Ironies, a prayer. Okay. <laughs> the set-aside prayer. Okay. That I've, you know, I I didn't really digest this until pretty recently. Okay. Like, probably Christmas-ish. But it's like, and I, I do, when I remember, in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> set this I get out, that. Uh, to set my day. Uh, God, today help me set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about my own recovery, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. Oh, my God. I love that. It's called the set-aside prayer? Yeah. Wow. It's on the toolkit app. Holy shit. Thanks yeah. for that. You're welcome. Nice. But it's like, because I, I know nothing. Yeah. And when I cling to what I think I know, that gets me in trouble. And Whether it be my physical sobriety or my mental and emotional sobriety. Absolutely. Because I had physical sobriety for probably nine months, but I was not emotionally sober. I was not mentally sober. And it was at that point I was like, I need a program. And those things help bring clarity to the rest of it. And it talks in the book about you take care of the spiritual, the mental, and the physical will follow. And that's absolutely true. Sarah, I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> I am It's so insightful. And I don't know. I just feel like you've grown so much and you've learned so much. You teach me so much. And I don't know. I just feel like. It helps to have these conversations because sometimes I think, oh, I'm doing really good. And, you know, other days I'm like, I'm still at square one. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I think it's good. This is what I've kind of decided. I think it's good to be both. You know, you can be confident in who you are as a person and and be happy with your recovery, but also know that there's a lot to learn and that you can always learn from somebody. Well, and you have to do step one every day. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I have to remind myself every day I'm powerless. Powerless over alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I'm powerless over everything because of the mental obsession. It's like built into me to be addicted to something. And it's like, I feel like today... If I just remember I'm an alcoholic and then I'm powerless over alcohol and that when I was drinking and using my life was unmanageable, that, um, I don't know. There is no easier, softer way. No. Well, and then also like with, with being sober, like physically sober, I can then use these tools to just keep progressing. Practice these principles in all of our affairs. Exactly. All right, awesome. Okay. Look at me being a thumper. You are. I love it. I really do. Okay, do you have any last words that you want to say? Anything, any closing <clears throat> statements? Yeah, I think 
Probably just that. Ugh, I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words. The steps are an amazing foundation to be built upon. And every person's recovery journey is their own. And the steps, even though they are the same steps for everybody, you can still make them your own. Like, absolutely. My powerlessness is it's the same as yours, but it's not the same as yours. Yeah. You know, my mental struggles are similar to any addict, but they're still mine. And it's it's kind of a ah, it's just almost a magical formula of being an individual but still part of a group. Like the individual is important because it's the health of the individual is the health of the group and the help of the group. Health of the group is the health of the individual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Actually, I kind of stole that from my son's middle school because (laughs) it says the strength of the bison is the herd and the strength of the herd is the bison. And like, they have that emblazoned on their wall. Oh my gosh. That is so Oh, that's cool. (laughs) No, but it's true. It's true. And it's like, the more that other people are informed, the more they can inform us and vice versa. Yeah. You know, so. And, and one thing that I at first had to force myself to do, and now it's a, it's a pleasure, is helping others keeps me sober. Yeah. I have had conversations with people who have been like, I'm only like 24 hours sober. I can't help anybody. Like, dude, there's somebody coming in the door who doesn't have an hour sober. Right. You are 24 times farther down the road than they are. Right. Absolutely. They need to hear what you have to say. And 24 hours is a long time to yes, be sober. Yes, it is. It's one day. Got yeah. We all started at one day. Yes, we did. So, hell yeah. That's all right. Cool. Thanks, Sarah. Right. I love you. Love Give you a little too, nuts lady. here. And, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any topics you'd like me to discuss or have any questions about recovery, please email recoveringtogether3 at outlook.com. And I would love to make those things possible. Have a great night. Bye.